0: Blank now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of I Just Blank Now What the podcast. I'm your host Jessica Stevens, and thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another show. I am so grateful. For all of our subscribers who come back each and every Wednesday to listen to another now what story from myself or an amazing guest, I'm just so truly grateful. And if you are new to the podcast and you stumbled upon us or a friend shared this show with you, welcome. I'm so grateful to have you here and hopefully what you hear um, and listen to resonates with you and you become a loyal listener too so today on the show it's me and me <laughs> these uh, solo shows feel like they come around really quickly and uh, it's another personal story for me which i will be open and honest to share that this has been one that i've been putting off for a really long time and it was one of the very first stories on my list that i planned to share and wanted to share and was really the inspiration for this show because I know so many other people and women struggle with fertility. And so I wanted to share my own fertility journey and story and I just wasn't ready. I just, every time I went to hit record, I just like, "Mm, nope, not this month, not this week, and I would push it off. But I am doing it now because this month, March 2022 is actually the 5 year anniversary of my failed IVF transfer. And it was 5 years ago that I literally I just let go of trying. Now what? And it's been a long 5 years since we stopped trying to conceive a child. And a lot has happened in those 5 years. So I want to kind of take everybody back to a, you know, what our fertility journey is and started as and why we needed help of IVF and then the process of going through that and then what happened when it failed and, and how I decided to move forward from there and stop trying to conceive. So I am going to do my best to get through this episode. There may, there may be some breaks and some moments where my voice weakens But I am going to push through because I know this is an important story that so many of you have asked me to share, and I hope that it will help someone out there with the hard decisions of what to do as it relates to their own family and what they want to do in terms of trying and other methodologies and, you know, do you do IVF? Do you not do IVF? What's what's your point in which you say enough is enough? So... I'm going to take you back to shortly after the Hubs and I got married, which is, you know, nine years now. We just celebrated our nine-year anniversary. And, you know, for most of you who've been listening to the show know that our marriage is definitely not traditional or conventional. We started off long distance. We got married very, very quickly because we needed to move the Hubs to Canada, and that immigration process was a real challenge for us and I remember when we were talking about getting married and all of that, the hub said, you know, he didn't want to start trying for kids right away. That he wanted at least one year of us being able to be together, just the two of us, before we entered into parenthood. Because, you know, our our dating and courtship and our engagement and all that stuff happened really quickly. And the first, you know, three years of our of our marriage and our relationship was actually spent apart, so it was really important to both of us to actually have that time together. But as our immigration, you know, situation unfolded and it was taking a lot longer than either of us expected, we kind of had to switch that up and kind of start trying a lot sooner than we both had planned because it was just taking a really long time to get him into the country and. You know, I was over the age of 30, which in the fertility world is, you know, almost geriatric. And we just knew that we couldn't wait too long before, you know, starting our family. And so, you know, after a while, when, you know, nothing was happening, I actually had a false pregnancy. And that was the event that kind of triggered everything else for us. And, you know, it was a really painful experience, but I'm grateful for it because it really started, you know, knocking down a few dominoes. And had I not had that false pregnancy and it was just, you know, another month, another cycle, not pregnant and just kept going, I don't know how long it would have taken to, you know, uncover some of this other stuff. So that false pregnancy you know, triggered me having to go to the doctor because I had all the symptoms of being pregnant, but I wasn't, Test came back negative, and it was a, you know, a WTF moment that I was having with my doctor of, okay, so if I'm not, then, well, what the heck's going on? And that's when she <laughs> decided that it was definitely time for me to go and see a specialist, and so I was referred to a fertility clinic to just get checked out and see what was going on, and that is where, you know a lot of questions started to get asked but a lot of things also got to start to get uncovered the first one was that i learned that i had a tumor i had a a fibroid in my uterus that was larger than a grapefruit and it was growing and could be the reason you know that i wasn't getting pregnant they weren't really sure they obviously had to do more tests on me and on the hubs but you know having a giant. fibroid, you know, taking up rent and space in my uterus definitely made it a lot more challenging for me to get pregnant. So that was the first thing. And then, you know, obviously I had some other tests. I learned that I had PCOS, which I was completely unaware of. You know, there's a couple of things on the hub side as well. So between my things and his things, we were like definitely not a couple that had no reason to think that we would have any issues. We definitely had a few, but not so serious that it was out of the question. It just made everything just a little bit more challenging. And so the first thing we decided to do was, you know, IUIs, which is uterine insemination. And uh, that's where, you know, essentially, you know, the hub's sperm was prepped and cleaned and perfect. And we timed it perfectly to my ovulation. And, you know, we did insemination and we did three of those and they all failed. And, you know, at that point we had to kind of regroup and go back and say, okay, what's what's going on? What's next steps? What do we want to do here? And that's when we made the decision to kind of upgrade our efforts from IUIs to IVF and do in vitro. And I'll be really honest in telling everybody that I was really hesitant about IVF. I don't know when it was in my earlier years, you know, whether I was a teenager or in my early 20s, but I always kind of just had this notion in my head that if I was not able to conceive naturally, that I wouldn't go through IVF. I wouldn't go through such extreme measures to have a baby, and I don't know why I didn't want to it's just something that I just felt but here I am in this fertility clinic having conversations with doctors about IVF and I'm like how did I get here (laughs) like where am I and what's what's exactly going on but based on you know what our circumstances was and all the things it was the natural next step and so you know we just continued to proceed. And, um, you know, a few things obviously had to, have to, had to happen before this um, IVF and that big grapefruit tumor of mine needed to come out. And so the first thing we just decided to do was let's make the environment as, you know, healthy and welcoming as possible for a fetus. So let's take this giant tumor out. So I had a myomectomy which was an abdominal surgery. It was, mine was so large that they were not able to do it laparoscopically. So I actually had to go in and have abdominal surgery. So it's kind of like a (laughs) C-section where they, you know, cut you open and take out what's inside. But instead of a baby, mine was, you know, a gross benign tumor. And then, you know, obviously it took a long time for me to heal after that. And, you know, three months for my uterus to heal. And so You know, it wasn't something that we jumped into right away. A lot had to happen before the IVF, but here we were ready to proceed with, you know, my egg harvesting and, you know, getting the embryos made and, you know, genetic testing. And we went through this whole process and it was actually really stressful, but how it's all kind of done and laid out, you know, is, is a little bit comforting in the sense that there's a schedule and there's steps and you kind of can hold on to like this, this happens and then this happens. But the whole process of it, of the the drugs and the hormone injections and the, you know, blood tests every morning and you know, monitoring your cycle and, you know, being told, okay, you're, we're four days out. You, we got to do this and then you got to take this shot. And then, you know, I remember waking up every morning to go to the fertility clinic before work to have blood drawn. And so I'd wake up and jump on the subway and go to the clinic and line up with all the other women and get our blood taken and then go and get a, an ultrasound done. And, then get back on the subway and go to work. And that was my life and routine for months leading up to this. And so it's exhausting. It's really not for the faint of heart. If somebody out there is considering doing IVF, I highly recommend you have a real serious conversation with your doctors about what that process is and talk to other people in your life who have gone through it and just get their real perspective of what it takes to go through IVF. And I, you know, didn't have anybody in my life who had been through it already. And so I was kind of flying a little bit blind, but I was just kind of following, following the steps. And, um, I had a really good egg harvest. You know, I had 19 eggs that were harvested, you know, 12 were mature, nine got fertilized and four survived through five days of growth. and. Those got sent into genetic testing, and after the, the 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 embryos were tested, we ended up with one viable embryo. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, and truthfully, it's not. My I had really hoped that we were going to have more embryos coming out of that harvest, so that we could have, you know, future opportunities. But we just had one. But then at the same time, I everyone keeps telling you, well, all you need is one, right? All you need is one. One to take and one to hold, and and everything's great. And so I kind of held on to that. So then it was time for us to transfer this one glorious baby embi and we did this in March of that year or the you know following year because all of this actually took quite a bit of time. I think it was you know about a year plus through the whole process of. Definitely from, you know, finding out that I had that false pregnancy to being referred and, you know, IUIs and then surgery and recovery and then finally IVF. Like this is the time is, time is ticking. And for women out there who are of a certain age and are trying to conceive, time is not your friend. And so, you know, we did the transfer and everything was looking great. And then, you know, you have to wait wait about four or five days, and then you go in (laughs) to the clinic, and you get your blood drawn again, and then you wait, and they call you with the results, and they tell you whether you're pregnant or not. And I got that phone call and said, it's negative. You're not pregnant. So, you know, let's book an appointment for you to come in and see your doctor to discuss next steps. And that was painful. Painful. I remember being at the office and about to walk into a meeting and the phone rings and you just like, your heart just like freezes and then to be told, you know, the news and then you're holding your composure because you're in this open concept office and everyone can see you. And those phone calls, (laughs) whenever you would get your results over the phone, were the worst. I remember those as being just so anxious and just super stressful and for me every call was always negative so at this point you know we go in to see our doctor and kind of regroup and decide what to do next and you know they were saying let's just it's just math right you just got to keep going and it eventually will work just like in in nature 30% of pregnancies actually happen so you know, whether that's through the process of IVF or other fertility support or just, you know, the old fashioned way of conceiving, you know, so many pregnancies actually don't happen. And the same is in the IVF world. You know, they do their best to eliminate, you know, things that could potentially cause a pregnancy to fail or to be miscarried, which is why we did embryo testing and why we, you know, do certain things. But the doctor just kind of said to me, like, it's still math. He's like, some just don't take. There's no reason for it. So we were all prepared to go in for another round of IVF. And again, I was sitting in the office kind of thinking to myself, like, what the heck? (laughs) Like, how did we get here? Like, how am I doing yet another round of IVF? And it was... A little surreal and i just remember all right let's do it and you know fortunately our first round of ivf was covered under our you know health insurance the government offers up one round of ivf to couples who qualify and so i qualified but this second round, this was all on us. So not only did we have to cover the cost of the procedure, but also all of the medication and everything. And it was a big expense. It was, the price tag was not insignificant. And so we really had to be committed to this next round. And the most unfortunate thing then happened. The following day or two days later from having this meeting with our doctor and getting the plan going for IVF, I was laid off from my job. And so that instantly put the whole idea of IVF and just shut it down. It was not even a a question. Like the hubs and I didn't even need to have a conversation about it. Like we just both knew that it was a no-go. And so we threw it up on the shelf and said, maybe, maybe one day we'll go back down that route. But right now, it's a hard no. And as crazy as it sounds, I'm actually grateful for that happening. Because it forced me to take a pause and stop and reevaluate things that I wasn't doing before. Because there's, there's always this urgency in fertility. Because as I said, like every cycle, every month, you know, women of a certain age, the, the time is not on your side. And so we were just, okay, let's go, let's do this. And then I got laid off and everything just had to stop. And I'm really grateful for that pause because it really helped me sit back and reevaluate and think about like, do I really want to do this? What was my experience in my first round of IVF? How was I managing the stress? How was I feeling? What was... What was my body going through? And so at that point, you know, I'm grateful that I just had that time to slow everything down and hit hit pause and just do some internal reflection and think about what it was that I wanted, what is it that we wanted. And I made the decision that no matter what, whether I found another job or not, we were not going to do another round of IVF. Because it just felt like, you know, this is my opinion, this, there's tons of other families out there whom, you know, will happily and willingly throw down the money for it and will be content with whatever the cost it is to make their family. But for me and the hubs, it was a cost that we didn't want to invest without a guaranteed outcome. Right, So in the IVF world and fertility world, if they can promise you 100% if you do this, you will have a baby, that's different. But as I said before, your odds aren't really that much better. (laughs) They're improved a little bit, but not a guarantee. And so if we were going to spend another $30,000, $40,000, I wanted some assurances. I wanted some guarantees, and they couldn't give me that. And so I said, I'm going to take a fraction of the money that I would be spending on IVF, and I'm gonna invest it in me. I'm gonna do all the things. I'm gonna go do acupuncture, I'm gonna you know, work with uh, a naturopath, I'm gonna to go to Pilates, I'm gonna meditate, I'm gonna yoga, I'm gonna just do all of the things to get me happy and whole, and healthy, as healthy as I could be, mentally, physically, nutritionally, all of that stuff. And if the byproduct of that is I get pregnant and we have a baby, amazing. But if I don't, well, at least that money was well invested in me and not in a Petri dish. So that was our decision. I gave up trying to conceive a child in a forced way. And I just let nature, Take its course. And it just made it so much better for me. I was less stressed. I was less anxious. There was no more pressure. I was able to be around other people who had kids, who were pregnant, and just feel better about it. You know, I remember in the whole process of just feeling awful sometimes when news of someone else getting pregnant came about, or seeing, you know, other people with their babies, or it was just having this awful feeling. And I decided that I did not want to live a life where someone else's joy was the cause of my pain. So I just let it go. And I decided to live a life where other people's joy was the cause of my joy. And I just started loving being around everyone else's baby, everyone else's pregnancy announcement, everyone else's shower, Um, watching all of my nieces and nephews and friends with little kids, just loving being with them and showing up in a special way and having a special relationship with them. So Auntie Jess is (laughs) the best, most fun. And I, love going and hanging out with cousins and just getting all the baby snuggles that I can get from all of them. And they are very generous with me with their children. And I love that. And we also decided that we were just going to have this beautiful life without kids and not have it be the consolation prize, right? Like life without kids isn't like, oh, the second choice. No, we were going to create a life without kids that was wonderful and full and great that we aren't missing out on anything. I love my life with the hubs. We, you know, get to do some really amazing things because we don't have kids actually, you know, we're gonna, we're able to be extra generous to things that we are passionate about and care about. We get to, you know, pick up and go and travel and, you know, lock our front door and and go. We, especially these last two years during COVID, you know, we (laughs) looked at each other, you know, some days and just said, you know, we're really grateful that we aren't going through the stress of homeschooling and virtual this, and, you know, what's going on with the kids right now through this pandemic. And so there has been lots of blessings over the last five years in deciding that we were gonna have a beautiful life without kids and that's not to say that we don't have many kids in our lives that we love we do we have nieces and nephews we have you know our goddaughter and we get to love on them in special ways and we get to watch them and you know there's a few that are extra special to me that I'm just so full of joy as I get to watch their life my cousin slash little sister she ended up getting pregnant uh, shortly after getting married and it just so happens that she got pregnant the same week that my IVF transfer was. Unbeknownst to her she didn't know she was pregnant and so her daughter is essentially the same age as our child would have been. And so ever since she was born I get to watch all of her milestones and I get to think like oh Like, this is what our baby would be doing right now, or going through. And I get to have those moments, but they're joyful. They are not painful. And we have a goddaughter, which we get to, you know, adore and love on and spoil and just be, you know, the best godparents we can be. And then at the end of the day, we hand her back to her parents and say, all right, she's yours again. So we have created a life where... Children are a joy for us, even though they aren't biologically ours. It's been really freeing, actually, these past five years of not having kids and letting go of the life that I thought that I wanted with them and embracing the new life that I was going to have without children. And it's also been hard. There's Been moments where I'm a wreck and I still have those twinges of seeing people with kids and having a mini breakdown. It happens, but I let it go. And there's been lots of relationships and friendships that have changed dramatically in my life because we don't have kids. And I've accepted them. I've accepted the change and the transformation and the relationships that I've had with people because I don't have kids but it's also opened up some amazing relationships and friendships with other people who have a shared bond with me. And I am grateful for those people in my life. You know, I'm grateful for a circle of friends who like me do not have children and we get to enjoy certain things within our circle. And I'm so grateful for that, that those women whom I've bonded with in our circumstance. So yeah, there's a little bit of bittersweet of letting go of a life that I always thought that I wanted. And funny enough, I was thinking back to being a kid and at what point was I, did I really actually start envisioning a family and wanting a family and knowing that I wanted to be a mom. And it was funny, I couldn't really pinpoint an exact time in my childhood that I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a mom. But I do remember my sister deciding that she didn't want kids. At a very young age, my sister decided that she never wanted to be married and she didn't want to have children. And she kind of announced this <laughs> at dinner one day. And just kind of looked across the table and looked at me. And so she's like, so it's, it's on you. <laughs> That's your job. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I kind of took on that responsibility of being the one who was going to get married and to have kids and be the provider of the grandchildren. So I don't know if it's something consciously or subconsciously that I took on of, you know, this is, well, you know, Laura's not going to do it. So I am and just owned it that that was my now responsibility in the family to to procreate and carry on the family line. But, you know, gratefully, it was not something that my parents or anyone else really in my family ever pushed upon me and not saying that my sister pushed it on me. Intentionally, she was just declaring that she didn't want any so that if there were going to be any grandchildren in this family, they were coming from me. So, yeah, I've just been enjoying these last 5 years discovering who Jessica is and what I want out of life and what kind of life I want to live and another thing too that it really helps me kind of get clarity around was I always thought that the reason I would leave the my corporate career was because I was going to go on mat leave and just never come back because I was going to have this new life of being a mom and you know, do something else that was more conducive to having children. And I actually had to, I had a little bit of a struggle with that too, because when I decided to leave the corporate world and, you know, jump into entrepreneurship full time, there was a moment where I kind of had to be like, oh, wow, like this is not the exit that I envisioned or thought was going to be my way out. And there was a little bit of a you know, the story you told yourself was you were leaving because you were going to be a mom and that was the life that you were going to have. But now you're leaving. And is it because you couldn't hack it in the corporate world or, or what's the story there? So I had to unpack that a little bit, too. And I just discovered it's like, oh, me leaving, whether I have kids or not, and I don't have kids is my choice. It's because I don't want to be here anymore and I want to go and discover A place and do things that actually get me excited and and I'm happy about and I could care less about what other people in this industry think about me as to whether or not I could hack it or not and that's why I was you know bailing out so um, yeah that was another part of this whole process over the last five years as it related to you know me just stop trying to have stop trying to have kids It changed a lot of dynamics for me, professionally, personally, you know, lots of relationships changed everything. Like I am a completely different person now, five years later than I was that day in that fertility clinic office, making a decision to do another round or not. And I gotta say, I'm pretty happy with the version of me now today, five years later. So that, my friends, is a very, very long drawn out story that I hope gives you guys a little bit of insight into decisions that you may or may not have to make for yourself and your own family one day. Just know whatever you choose to do, it is a happy ending with or without a baby. You can have a beautiful, fulfilled life even if you don't have kids. But it's up to you to make it that way. So if you are struggling to conceive and you're questioning whether or not you should keep going or what to do or move forward with, just know whatever your decision is, whether you decide to ante up all the money and throw into another round of IVF again and hope that your odds are better this time, or if you decide to walk away And, you know, find alternative, you know, methods or decide to adopt or foster or get a puppy, like whatever you decide to do in creating your family and your life, just know that you get to decide, is it going to be a happy ending or not? And just remember how you feel is a big, big part of all of this. And you get to decide how you want to feel about it. And like me, I just decided that I was not going to live a life where other people's joy was the cause of my pain. So do your best to see other people's joy as joy. And their joy does not mean that you don't get to have any too. So, thank you all for bearing with me and listening to today's story. I hope it just gave you a little bit of a nugget to help you figure out your own now what as you kind of move forward with your own, you know, family planning. And if you are somebody who's thinking that they want to quit trying and you want to talk about this, reach out to me. I am more than happy to have conversations (laughs) with anyone who's struggling with the decision of giving up on forcing something through that just doesn't feel right to you. So if you know somebody else who is also going through fertility issues, uh, please share this episode with them. Hopefully it'll help them figure out their own now what. And as I said, everyone's journey will be different. I know many people who have gone through IVF and have come out the other end with beautiful babies. I know people who planned on doing IVF and were all set to go and magically, before their first injection, found out that they were were pregnant. And I know lots of people who have decided from the get-go that if, you know, it's not a blessing that they can do naturally, then they're going to adopt or foster or be parents in other ways no matter what you decide your life is beautiful all right have a great week everyone we will see you next week for another now what wednesday thank you thank you thank you so much for listening i appreciate you more than i can say thank you so much for listening i appreciate it more than i can say did you love this episode of i just blank now what